My name is John. If you are new here, I'm, I'm blessed to serve as the pastor of this amazing church. And I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. All right, Luke chapter 1. And we are in our series called Advent. We're just walking through uh, Advent, right? So I, I did not grow up in a church where we traditionally looked at Advent or uh, be honest. Well, maybe I didn't. I don't remember anything about it. And that could just be me, right? But we didn't traditionally look at these candles and light a candle. And that was uh, for those other people, I guess. But really, as we walk through Advent, understand that Advent, the, the word simply means arrival or it means coming. And so as we look at these traditional candles, uh, last week we looked at uh, the prophet's candle of hope. And we understand that Advent, as for us as followers of Jesus, Advent, the coming of Christ, is what we celebrate looking back. But as followers of Jesus, we also anticipate the second Advent. So we're living between the two Advents that we read in Scripture. The first coming of Christ, born in a manger. The second coming of Christ, the conquering king. Are you anticipating the second Advent? Right? So it's a great opportunity. We, we celebrate first Advent, but we anticipate the second Advent. So last week was our first uh, in that we looked at the hope that is provided through Christ. And we made three statements. So just kind of recap, if you didn't make it last Sunday, here's a quick recap. I have hope because my past is forgiven. Okay. Now, again, there's an assumption here in these statements that you are a follower of Jesus. Okay. As Stefan mentioned briefly, that you have made a decision to place your faith and hope and salvation in the work and the person of Jesus Christ. These statements are for you. I, I have hope because my past is forgiven. I have hope because my future is secure, which is why I can anticipate the second advent joyfully. I would love it if Jesus came back right now because I haven't bought any Christmas presents yet. It would be great. I'd be off the hook. I have hope because my present is at peace with God. That's good news. That's really good news. And it's kind of our launching point for today. We looked at Romans chapter five, verse one, and it says this, Paul wrote, therefore, having been justified, remember, as we looked at this last week, justified means that we've been declared righteous. We've been declared not guilty. Not that we are righteous. We are unrighteous and we are guilty, but We've been declared righteous, not guilty. How? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we made this statement that's going to kind of launch us into our message this morning, and we made this last week. The peace of God is only available to those who are at peace with God. Okay? The peace of God is only available to those who are at peace with God. God. All right, so today our, our second candle that we're going to look at today is the candle known, it's known as traditionally as the Bethlehem candle, all right, and it represents peace, okay? So I'm going to invite Savannah McLean to come up here, and she's going to read for us. Can we give Savannah a hand this morning as she comes up? 
And I noticed as last week, we matched somehow. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. I was not anticipating doing that. But Savannah is one of my favorite at Hallmark kids. And she knows it apparently. And the reason is, is because this summer at Vacation Bible School, if you were a part of that, many of you served and it was an awesome event. But I had this wonderful, majestic, if you will, Top Gun stash. Right? I was hoping somebody would think. My wife didn't think that, but I thought that. And if you remember, we were encouraging the kids to give more money for our missionaries. And if the girls gave more money, they would shave the stash. If the boys gave more money, they would save the stash. And Savannah was one of the only girls that was putting money in the boys' bucket to save the stash. Can we give her a hand? She knows. All right, so she's being honest. She says, truly, she gave it to Noah, and Noah put it in the bucket for her. All right, thank you for your honesty. So Savannah's going to read uh, the, the candle from Bethlehem, the peace candle. I'll hold the mic so you won't have to do that. It'll be all right? The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats, get bored of our, with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get for, f- from Christ this Christmas and always, hope, peace, joy, and love will go with us all our life. Micah 5, 2 through 5a, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, one who is coming forth from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. A candle is burning, a candle of peace, a, can, a beacon to signal that conflict must cease. For Jesus is coming to show us the way the little baby Jesus is laid in the hay. Very good. Thank you, Savannah. Appreciate it. Give her a hand. Very good. The question we have today is pretty simple. but it's kind of difficult also. Can we have peace when life is not peaceful? What say ye? All right, well, I guess I don't need to preach. We're done, right? Yes, we can, I think. Maybe, sometimes. How many of you, like, you know, yes, peace is available even when life is not peaceful, but I always don't feel that peace. Can you say amen to that? Like, sometimes you, we looked at that a couple weeks ago in Psalm 42. David, or the psalmist, had to preach to himself. Oh, my God, why am I so disquieted? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so depressed? Yet, I shall praise you. And, and sometimes, again, we made the statement a few weeks ago that, that my faith, my happiness, my joy, my peace, my love 
It can't be dependent on my feelings. Even this morning as we were uh, greeting at, at nine o'clock, we met together for prayer with all the, the connection team. And our connection team leader, Chris Kirkendall, confessed to us all that, that when it rains, he does not feel very happy. How many of you are like that? Like your emotions are dependent on whether the sun's shining or not. And it's probably about half and half. And my immediate response was, well, you got to fake it till you make it, right? And, and sometimes what we feel like doesn't always line up with what we actually know. That's why it's important for us as a church, one of our core values is to be biblically driven. Because I have to go back to the truth of scripture when my feelings don't line up with what I'm experiencing. And in Luke chapter one, we, we see the story of Gabriel coming twice, once to Elizabeth and Zacharias, and he, he tells them of John the Baptist will soon be born. And then in the latter part of the chapter, we see that Gabriel shows back up on the scene like six months later, and he has a conversation with Mary. But before we get to the story, and we're going to start this morning in Luke 1 verse 26, but before we get to that, I, I want to kind of set the background of who wrote the book of Luke? Most would agree that it was written by the man named Luke. And we see him traveling with Paul in Acts. And Acts is the follow-up to Luke, written also by Luke, known as the physician. Luke's not a Jew. And because he's not a Jew, he was not looking for a savior to be born in Bethlehem. And because of this, because of his background, because of his history, because of who he is, he wanted to write a book, a letter, if you will, so people could be confident. Because let's be honest, especially, and I'll be careful with my words here, but especially around Christmas time, it seems like the Christmas story can come across as like a fairy tale. Like it's just this mythical story we tell kids at Christmas. Like, yeah, there was this bright star in the east and it guided these wise men with camels and gifts, right? And there was this baby that was born in a manger of all places. It seems like there were cows and sheep around, right? Oh, and he was born of a virgin. And all of this seemingly weird events. And so Luke wants to make sure. And so look what he says. Let's read the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. Inasmuch many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Just as those who from the beginning, they were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word deliver them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, all right? And so there's debate on whether Theophilus was an actual person. The word Theophilus means lover of God or a friend of God. Some would debate whether, because we only read about him here and then in Acts also similarly. Some would say it was probably a a non-Jew, probably someone with some kind of clout, whether that's just money or he was 
you know, in authority. And it could just simply represent anyone who's a friend of God, who, anyone who wants to, to love God. I would say that it probably is actually a person, okay? But it really, really doesn't matter what I say, right? It's for us too. So he's writing for you, for, for you as a friend of God, for you as a follower of God. And he goes on to say, this is why I wrote the, this letter, verse number four, that you may, what is it? Say it again. No. The certainty of the things in which you were instructed. This is not just a fairy tale. It's not just a story passed down from one generation. So, so Luke sets out to investigate. And he goes to eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness so that he can have, a, as it's termed here, an orderly account of the events that took place surrounding the birth and the life and the death of this person named Jesus. So as we look at this story, we realize that the reason we have it is so we can know with certainty that God is who God says he was and that Jesus is the Messiah. Do you agree with that this morning? Maybe. Do you agree that Jesus is the Messiah? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's begin reading. Again, as we read, we're going to start in verse 26. The question we're trying to answer, can you have peace when life is not peaceful? Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the house of David, and her name was Mary. Well, there's a lot we can unpack in there, but, but let me just speak for a moment to this idea of what it means to be betrothed. Or the closest thing we would have in our culture would be that she was engaged. Okay, but it's a little more than what we would term as an engagement. Okay, it's more than just the promise ring or an engagement ring. That this, there has been a contract. The dowry has already been paid. There's a contract. They are legally married. Okay, and, and this is what it's even would speak of when, when we see in Matthew when Joseph was wondering, thinking, pondering his heart, what should I do with the news that Mary is now with child? And remember what it says in Matthew, that he had a couple options, that he was, he was minded to put her away privately is what Matthew says, not publicly. So once you were betrothed or you've entered this legal agreement, you would live separately. You were, you were still supposed to be pure and he most likely Joseph would have been building a house or adding on to his father's house a place that when he was finished he would go get Mary and then they would have the ceremony and they would consummate the marriage so they're they're in this waiting period under contract and, and so that's what we know so far in the story verse 28 and having come, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is. Where is the Lord? He's with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, and I think this is an understatement of the text, she was troubled at his saying. Like if an angel shows up at your place, how are you going to feel about it? Right? 
She's well, troubled. She was troubled at a saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, well, it seems like what the angel says to everybody. Do not be afraid. Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And I think those words are important because it's said twice. Verse 28, you're highly favored. Mary, you have found favor in verse 30. Verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. That seems like an obvious question, right? You're going to have a baby. Well, I haven't ever been with a man. How is that possible? Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The one we've been waiting for. The one we've been looking for. The one the prophets said. As we just quoted Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah said... This is the fulfillment of that. And Mary, you are highly favored. You are blessed. You are the one who is going to usher in what John 1.14 says. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. Verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. All right. So this is the part of the story. We jumped in after it. Right. So the first part of Luke chapter 1 is when they hear that. Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And the terms that they used of Elizabeth was the barren one. Like it was a miracle that she was going to have a child. And so this is why the angel is referencing her relative. Verse 36, let's go back to it. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called, there it is, barren. And why is the angel telling Mary of this story? Well, because the story he just told, the angel just told Mary, is crazy. You're going to have a child of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be the son of God, the one we've been waiting for. And I would assume if you were Mary, you might have a little bit of doubt. Maybe. Some questions. We only hear the one question. I bet you there was a lot more. Verse 37 is pretty important. For with God, what's the word there? For with God, what is it? Nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with the new King James word here is used is with haste. Like she went quick. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Why do you suppose Mary went so quickly 
to this place. Well, let's keep reading. She entered the house, verse 40 of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. So she went in her aid to see the relative the angel told her about, Elizabeth. She went to see, is what the angel told me true? I think Mary needed some confirmation. What did the angel just tell me? I am getting out of here and I'm going to check on Elizabeth. Because what did the angel say? How far along was, was Elizabeth? Six months. I think when Mary arrived on the scene, she would know whether the angel was telling the truth or not, right? Okay. Verse 40. She entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now remember, in this time period, the Holy Spirit would, would come on a person for a, a season, for an event, and then leave. Now as followers of Jesus, we read this in Ephesians, right? That as soon as we give our life to Christ, we are indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. Thank God for that, right? Because if I was left to my own willpower, I'm going to mess up a lot. If you're left up to your own willpower, you're going to mess up a lot. I know you. It's true. But the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth in this moment. So it's important to understand this is an unusual event. What's, what's said next is of God. Verse 42, she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. Does that sound familiar to you? Isn't that exactly what verse 28 Gabriel said to Mary? Blessed are you among women. Do you think that, that possibly in that moment, that as the Holy Spirit empowered Elizabeth to speak, there was confirmation for Mary? That's what the angel told me. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Verse 43, Elizabeth continued to talk. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? More confirmation. We don't read in the text, Mary has not told her anything yet. Mary has not come and said, you will not believe what Gabriel the angel told me. She didn't send a text message ahead. She didn't make a TikTok video. There was no be real, right? There was none of that going on. She just showed up on the scene. And what happens? Immediately, Elizabeth filled the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among women, repeating what the angel had already told Mary. And then she goes on to say, I'm blessed because the mother of Jesus has come to my house. Don't you love how when circumstances are a little bit crazy, that God can somehow interject the working of the Holy Spirit in us to know this is confirmation of God. You guys ever experienced that? You ever experienced that moment when you're like doubting, wondering, questioning? Uh, you ever been frustrated? 
I kind of want you guys just to yell out in frustration, but I'm, I'm afraid what might happen, so I'm not going to do that. I was started too, and I was like, no. Nah. Wow. I love those moments when God shows up. The other day I was writing in my prayer journal, and I was just asking God, is this an opportunity for me to take a step of faith? I don't know. Because as you know, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes faith and foolishness are really close together. So I just wrote in my journal, God, is this, what, what, what is this next step? Is this, is this an opportunity right now for me to take a step of faith? Yes or no? I'm just kind of, you ever demanded something of God? I don't recommend it, but I did it. Then I opened up my daily reading plan from the church. It was Matthew chapter 8. Then I read Matthew chapter 8. And in the beginning of the chapter, there's like all these miracles God performs. And there's this non-Jew that shows up. You know what Jesus told this man? I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Then at the end of the chapter, the disciples are in a boat and they're fearful. And you know what Jesus says to them? Oh, ye of little faith. I got my answer. Time to take a step of faith. And I feel like that's the moment that's happening for Mary. Elizabeth through the Holy Spirit, confirms to her what God has already said to her. Verse 44, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. That's pretty cool. The unborn baby is worshiping Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Blessed is she who believed for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. You know what's cool is I, I've been studying this passage for a couple of weeks. And this morning, I just, verse 45 jumped off of the page to, for me. Look what it says. This is, this is not in the outline. This is just what we're talking about for a second, all right? Verse 45, Elizabeth talking. Blessed is she. Who is the she she's talking about? Mary. Blessed is Mary, who, what's the next word? You see, blessings are on the other side of what? Belief. Blessed are you, Mary, because you believed. I love that. So let's get to the question. Can we have peace when life is not peaceful? Because the truth is, this, this is a great story to read at Christmas, and we get the warm fuzzies and all that kind of stuff, but we sometimes fail to acknowledge this news completely, I mean completely shattered Mary's life. Everything she knew about what her life was going to be was completely different now. 
And we, in our context, in our culture, we cannot even begin to grasp and understand how devastating this was going to be. She's going to have to know, now go tell Joseph. You're going to have a baby. Trust me, Joseph, it's from God. Has this ever happened in history before or after? Now we know why in Matthew chapter one, Joseph is pondering his heart. What am I going to do with the news that I've just heard? Am I going to put her away privately, publicly, which could lead to her death? I got to go tell mom and dad. From this moment forward, she would be looked at as that lady. Not that lady, the mother of Jesus. That lady who wasn't faithful to Joseph. So it's easy for us to sit now years, 2,000 years later and think, oh, such a peaceful story. The truth is, Mary's life was anything but peaceful in this moment. Which I believe is why the Holy Spirit came alongside her to confirm this is what the Holy Spirit, this is of God, this is what's happening, trust me. It doesn't make sense. And if you think your life is not peaceful now, wait till you go tell everybody. So, can we have peace when life is not peaceful? Number one, peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Thank God. In verse 38, we see the heart and the trust and the faith and the character of Mary. What does she say? Let it be to me according to your word. God, I surrender. About 33, 34 years later, This child would be in the garden and he would say, not my will, but your will be done. It's the same thing. In the middle of her worry, her anxiety, her questions, her doubt, her shame, her pain, what would Joseph say? What would her parents say? What would her friends say? She simply said, God, I trust you. So in spite of my circumstances, I just trust you, God. Let it be to you. God, I, I surrender. Not my will, but, but your will. Number two, peace is dependent on a person. You see, as we, as we light these candles every week and Every week when I'm up here, I'm thinking, this thing's not going to work. Oh, yeah, and it doesn't. See, when you're dependent on things, we need Jesus to show up, right? I was hoping when I said Jesus is going to light, that would have been so cool. Wouldn't that have been awesome? The point being, the joy, the love, the hope, the peace are all dependent on what? 
Christ, on Jesus. Because the reality is, apart from Jesus, now listen, the world's gonna try to offer you joy, peace, love, and hope. Their version of it. It's what Satan offered Eve. It's what Satan offered Jesus in the wilderness. His version of hope, love, joy, peace. But apart from Jesus, apart from the person of Jesus, in verse number 41, we see the Holy Spirit shows up. So my peace is dependent on the power of the Spirit, the presence of the Son, and the promises of the Father. Don't you love that? That in this one passage of Scripture, the Holy Spirit shows up and speaks through Elizabeth. You are what the angel said you are. The very first part of the text says what Jesus was with her. The Lord was with her. And in verse 45, Elizabeth said, blessed are you because you believed the promises of the Lord. So we can have peace when life is not peaceful through the power, the presence and the promises of God. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him. Many of you could quote the rest of that and probably already did, right? Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very what? Present. He's with us. Philippians 4, 7. We don't have on here verse 6, but verse 6 says, I'll summarize, worry about nothing, pray about everything, and what? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard in, in your hearts and minds. Through who? Through Jesus. Psalm 23, 4. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? God's with me. His power, his presence, and his promises. So when life is life as it can be, my peace is dependent on the person of Jesus. His power, his presence, and his promises. So can you have peace when life is not peaceful? Yes. That's good news, right? Let's do that again. Can you have peace when life is not peaceful? Yes. Because my peace is dependent on a person, not my circumstances. It's on the work of Jesus Christ. We read last week in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, like the doom and the gloom, like darkness Right? Darkness represented by hopelessness, no peace, no joy, no love, death, sin. That's what represents darkness. And that's what Isaiah 9 verses 1 and 2 talk about. Like it's the setup. You're living in darkness. No hope, no joy, no peace, no love. But 
Verse number six of Isaiah chapter nine says what? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name, we just sang about it, right? Will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And what's the last name of Jesus here represented? It's the Prince of Peace. Yes, I can have peace when life isn't peaceful because I have the Prince of Peace. That's great news, isn't it? But, but it is it's contingent on one thing. We can't have the peace of God unless we're at peace with God. So my question for you today is, are you at peace with God? The whole Advent, what we celebrate, what they at one day were anticipating, the prophets prophesied about, we just read it, for unto you a child is born. The one who will be the Prince of Peace, he is coming. The one we look at and celebrate. Listen, the reason he came. I love what, the way Soya worded that at the beginning, if you caught it. She said, Jesus understood the cost of Christmas. It was his life. He was born to die so that we could live. You see, every one of us are born into sin for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death, separation from God. We are born, Romans would say, we are born enemies of God. And the only way that we can have peace with God is because Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, willingly laid his life down on the cross and paid the penalty of my sins and your sins. And, and what happened when he died, remember what we read the temple veil was torn in two. And what that symbolized was every one of us have direct access to God now through Jesus. Paul would write in Ephesians 4, by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works. So, are you at peace with God? And the only way that you can be at peace with God is that you place your faith in Jesus. I want to ask everyone to close your eyes for a moment. Are you at peace with God? I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm asking you if you're at peace with God. And the only way that you can be at peace with God is to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not peace with God without placing your faith in Jesus. So the question comes down to this. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? And if you have not done that, can I just challenge you this morning to do it right where you're at? It's saying a simple prayer. It's just talking to God. It's simply admitting, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if that's you today, can I encourage you with everything I am to pray that prayer? 
for the rest of us in the room this morning, if, if you walked in today feeling a little uneasy, that life is not so peaceful right now, can I just encourage you to be like Mary? Be like Mary. All the craziness goes on. The part we did not read in the story is her song. In Luke chapter one, verse 46 and 47, the beginning of her song, she basically says, remember, in the chaos, she says, I will magnify the Lord and I will rejoice in my Savior. Maybe today that's, that's just the decision you're gonna have to make. God, in spite of, I will praise you and I will rejoice in Jesus.